you like, you might open up your Old Testament to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. While you're doing that, I'd like to say it has truly been a pleasure for Lisa and I to be here this last week. Appreciate the invitation extended by the elders here to come and to spend the the meeting with you. Uh, You guys have been a huge amount of fun. I'm amazed at the amount of work that uh, you guys were able to get done this last week. And we've covered a lot of Bible ground this week, and you guys have been total troopers. And this is the last sermon, the last service of this gospel meeting, and I've got one more sermon I want to give you tonight, and one more point that I want to make, and it's over the book of Obadiah. Now, I know I told you to go to Genesis 25 because you need Genesis 25 to set up what's happening in Obadiah, but Obadiah is is a minor prophet, and it's one chapter. And so I want to spend a little time this afternoon, I want you to go away, or go home, leaving this meeting with this last message in mind. Before I do that, though, I'd like to say special thank you to Zach and Kat for being such wonderful host and hostess uh, for Lisa and I this week. We've been in their home and they have just been very gracious and have fed us multiple times. And there's been many other homes that have been opened up to us and we've eaten in your homes and been taken out and other people paid for stuff. And, and thank you all. We really, truly have enjoyed it. Um, it's just truly been a blessing to be able to spend some time with you guys. Some of you that we've known forever, it's always great to kind of reunite and spend some time uh, rekindling friendships. But we've also met some newer folks this week, and we thoroughly have enjoyed that as well. Uh, Folks that we've not had the privilege of being around. So it truly has been a pleasure. Thank you guys again for the invitation. If you're ever down Houston way, look us up. Um, If you all come at once, somebody sleeps on the floor, but you would be welcome in our home. Uh, Our home is open to you. We'd love to have you. Uh, We meet with the College Park Church of Christ on the north side of Houston. Would love to have you come visit us in the congregation introduce you to some good people down there as well. We'd like to ask you to keep us in your prayers in the work that's happening down there um, where our mission is no different than your mission. We want to see souls saved uh, in our community and, and we want to do our part in the larger scope of the kingdom to try to spread the gospel just as you guys are doing here and I will promise you you guys are in our prayers too and until we meet again uh, at the Brotherhood meeting or future meetings or other places or the other side of Jordan. God bless you guys and we love you and appreciate you. Uh, Book of Obadiah. I want to start by giving you a little bit of background to Obadiah. Genesis chapter 25. I want to begin reading with verse number 23. The Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she, when she bare them. And the boys grew... And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, that that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. 
And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Several times this week I've showed you some graphics that talked about Abraham had through his promise seed Isaac had twins, Jacob and Esau. And all week long we've been following the lineage of Jacob which ultimately brings us to Christ through the fourth son of Jacob which is the tribe of Judah ultimately brings us to to Christ. But tonight I want to go on the other side of the twins. Instead of the side of Jacob I want to look at Esau. Esau was known as Edom and he had certain children. Those certain children, if you follow the lineage down, ultimately a couple I want want you to notice specifically Well, one, I didn't highlight it, but there's Teman right here. And you're going to notice in the book of Obadiah, the the phrase Teman is used in that book as well. But then I want you to notice that as you go down through the history of Esau, you find Amalek or the Amalekites. Those stories are going to ring a bell to you. You remember how Saul was told to... uh, Samuel came to Saul and said, Go utterly destroy the Amalekites. If it breathes, kill it. Take it out. Whatever. Totally destroy it. And you remember they kept back Agag the king and some of the best of the, the, the stock and that kind of thing. And God was not pleased with them at all because he said, what's that I hear? I hear the lowing of oxen in my ear and, the, and the, uh, I hear the bleeding of sheep. So you didn't utterly destroy. You didn't do what it was that I told you to do. So you remember these battles with the Amalekites. Those are the descendants of Esau. That ultimately brings you to a people that are known as the Edomites. They're also known as the Idumeans. And you may remember the phrase, Ag the king, there in in the story of the Amalekites or the battle with Amalek. He said they kept back Agag the king. You may remember the other night when we were looking at the story of Esther that Haman was an... uh, He was from Hamadatha an Agagite. So even in the story of Esther, you remember there was an Agagite, which was the Jews' enemy fighting against the Jews. Haman was the bad guy fighting against the Jews. All throughout the Old Testament, you start off with Jacob and Esau. In Genesis chapter 25, there's twins in the womb. It's not very long before they come out that they've got a one of them's hungry and they sell a birthright over some lentils or pottage. And if you keep reading the story, they got mad at each other and, and wanted to kill each other. Or, well, one of them wanted to kill the other because they tricked the dad into the blessing. You remember how the uh, mom put uh, uh, fur on the boy's arm to make it feel hairy like Esau? And it turned out that Jacob got the blessing from his father instead of Esau. And all of these things. So what started out as two brothers 
mad at each other over lentils and pottage and birthrights and blessings turned into generational problems. Generational hatred among cousins to the point the Amalekites are fighting against the children of Israel. Haman, the Jews' enemy, fighting against God's people, the Jews, and Esther ultimately was able to save them from there. The Agagite, and etc. Those are the Edomite people. And I also want you to notice if you look up the term Edomite, if you do some research on the term Edomite, you will also find the term Idumea, which is a region of the country as well. If you look up Idumea, it'll say see Edom. If you look up Edom, it'll say see Idumea. Those areas, the Idumeans, and I'll show you this on a map, this area right here was where the 12 tribes of Israel inhabited. That's where each one of the tribes got a certain portion of land. That's the simplistic version of that story. But outside that land, you'll notice right here, that's the land of the Edomites. And if you look on some maps, it, it labels that not only the Edomites, but it labels it the Idumeans or the land of Idumea. Now, a couple of other things I want you to just know about Edom. Supposedly there was a cavern down through Edom. I've never been to the land myself, but from what's been described to me in reading books and that kind of thing, is there's some sort of a cavern that when you go down into the cavern, there's cliffs on both sides. And there are like cliff dwellings. It's kind of like going to Colorado and seeing cliff dwellings. If any of you have ever been in some of that area and seen the cliff dwellings of the Native Americans in, in Colorado. They, they lived in these, the Edomites lived in those cliff dwellings and there was a passageway that came through and they could control that passageway because they had height. They could see who was coming down through their area, through their land. They might shoot an arrow at them or kill them if they were an enemy and that kind of thing. They could really control because there was essentially a bottleneck as people would travel through the area they had to come down through this valley uh, we might call it a gorge or a chasm between two uh, mountains or two cliffs on both sides and they're living up here in these cliffs now we get to the book of Obadiah now Obadiah actually most scholars render that he was an Edomite that had converted to Judaism. That he was actually an Esauite that converted to Judaism. And I want you to turn to the book of Obadiah, if you would. One chapter. <coughs> Obadiah is prophesying of the destruction of the Edomite people. Let me tell you why. We've looked at this timeline several times this weekend as well. If we started at the creation right here, and I realize some of that's getting kind of small, there's 2013 over on this end. Several things we've looked at uh, this weekend. We've looked at Tira here in 2126 BC. Uh, we've looked at 740 BC, the prophecy of Amos, and he was prophesying of the destruction of Israel and the captivity of Assyria coming into Israel in 723. Now in 605 BC, one of the things I want you to notice or note is 
That is where the book of Daniel essentially begins. Nebuchadnezzar, he's known as Nebuchadnezzar II, but Nebuchadnezzar came through, he was in a battle at Carchemish, and he comes through Jerusalem and he takes captives, and he takes Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and he takes them over into a foreign land, and they're captives, they're slaves, and he wants to teach them the language of the Chaldeans. He took some of the best of the best. But in 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes through, actually, during the meantime, he had set up Zedekiah to be king over Jerusalem while he took the best of the best. And Zedekiah was his guy. He was Nebuchadnezzar's guy. But Zedekiah forsook Nebuchadnezzar and kind of got power hungry and wanted to stand on his own two feet. So Nebuchadnezzar ended up in conflict with Zedekiah. So he comes back into Jerusalem and utterly destroys Jerusalem. Not one stone laid upon another. In fact, the phrase raise it. And when I say raise it, I'm not talking about R-A-I-S-E. I'm talking about R-A-Z-E, like razor. Cut them off. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did in 587 B.C. He came through Jerusalem and it was totally destroyed. Jerusalem was annihilated. Okay, When they did that... What happened was the Jews, the Jacobites, the Israelites, fled Jerusalem. And as they fled Jerusalem, they headed south. And I'm going to back up to that map. They came out of Jerusalem, they headed south, and they came down through that gorge into that where the cliffs were, where the Edomites were. They fled the land because Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon is destroying their city. You would think their cousins, that they're going through their land to escape, would be saying, welcome cousins, but no, there's hatred. So they would stop them. They would bottleneck them. They would put them in handcuffs. And they would deliver them over to Babylon. They hated their cousins that much. Generational adversity. Generational hatred. They absolutely hated them. And so they would take them and put them into captivity and turn them over to Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar to be destroyed and to be killed. God's mad at them for doing that. And God said, these are your kinfolk. These are your cousins. And they were escaping destruction. They came down through your land, through that gorge, and you sat up high on your perch, and you sat up high in those cliff dwellings, and you looked down, and you stopped them in the way and wouldn't let them escape. And he's not happy with them. That's what the book of Obadiah is about. We're going to look at that here in just a moment. Now, one other thing I want you to notice. We sang the song tonight, Angry words, oh, let them never from the tongue unbridled slip. May the heart's best impulse ever, let them ever soil the lip. Or may they never soil the lip. Um, Do you know what happened with twin brothers who had a problem with each other over pottage, lentils, birthright, over a blessing later on, turned into generational conflict to the point that when their own cousins were in trouble and and being slaughtered by an, an outside army, a Babylonian army, they would deliver them over to be slaughtered. They hated them that much. And the point of the message tonight, I've got one point I want you to get tonight is if ever there's a message of stop a problem before it gets big, it's the message of Obadiah. 
These are your brothers. These are your cousins. These are your family. This is your fam- this is. But you've let this thing get out of hand to the point you're at battle with Amalek and the Agagites, the Idumeans, the Edomites. Y'all are at war with each other, even to the point you would have them destroyed by somebody else because you don't like them. You know, sometimes we get in conflict with people. Maybe brothers or sisters say the wrong thing to each other. Maybe unintentionally say the wrong thing. And sometimes what turns into words being said turns into generational conflict. Families that can't get along for years and years and years. We go to our Fleming family reunion every year. It's a fun time to to go. You guys would be invited if your last name was Fleming. But I'll invite you and let you in. Right? It's the best reunion in the world. But you know there are segments of our family that we never see at that reunion. And it's because years ago something happened that somebody was met at somebody and it turned into grandkids not liking grandkids and cousins not liking cousins and great-grandkids not liking great-grandkids and pretty soon you can't even remember what happened. And they don't even show up at the reunion anymore because they don't want to be associated. They're at enmity with the family. We've seen that in church history too, hadn't we? Maybe back in the 40s and 50s, brethren that didn't get along with each other and there was conflict. It turned into generational conflict and congregations didn't like other congregations of people. And years later, you can't even remember why they didn't like each other. Over stuff that happened, generational conflict. And the point I want to make is, let's solve the problem before it turns into generational problems. In our part of the country, I don't know the history in the Dallas area, but in our part of the country, back in the 50s, there was a church problem that happened where there was a congregation of people, there were two men that worked on a same job together. And one of them said the other guy owed him $50. $50. He didn't think he owed the money. They brought it before the church. The church said, you owe the money. He went home to his wife. As I understand the story, his wife said, you don't owe that money. We don't owe it. And he went, we're not paying it. Went back and we're not paying it. So the church took action against him over $50. Okay? That turned into congregations taking sides over who's right and who's wrong over $50. Now you've got to be sitting there today thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Why didn't somebody just pay the 50 bucks? I mean, that's kind of foolish, isn't it? But yet, that's the way people are. Generational conflict over $50. Unbelievable to me. And guys like myself and others like yourself have inherited some of that conflict that happened. Generational conflict. Because certain brothers or certain family or certain friends couldn't get along with one another. And what I want to encourage you to do is solve a problem before it turns to a big problem. You know, when you've got a problem, work to solve it before it turns into generational conflict. Here's the story of Obadiah. Read with me if you would. Obadiah, one chapter. So we're reading chapter 1. 
of Obadiah, the vision of Obadiah. Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. So first of all, he says, You're built up with pride, Edom. He's writing to the Edomites. And he says, You're built up with pride. You sit up in the clefts of the rocks, and you think you can't be destroyed. And he says, I'm the Lord God. I'm going to bring you down. The pride will destroy you. Keep reading in verse number 5. If thieves came to thee by night, or if thieves came, came to thee, if robbers by night, how art thou cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are the, his hidden things sought up? And basically, very simply, you can just kind of put that in, take it out of the King James and put it in the Ty James version. Is basically, he says, if robbers came to you, they'd have been able to do some things. You know, they'd been able to, to rob something and leave something, that kind of thing. But oh no, your brothers come down here through the land and you put them, you want them totally destroyed. But a robber, you'd probably even let them accomplish some things. They might even take... Uh, grape gatherers would probably even take some grapes and leave some grapes behind. But oh no, not your brothers. Your cousins come down here and you want them destroyed. Keep verse number 7. All the men of thy confederacy have brought thee even to the border. The men that were at peace with thee have deceived thee and prevailed against thee. They that eat thy bread have laid a wound under thee. There is none understanding in him. Shall I not in that day set the Lord even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau? And thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. Now, he goes into that time period, which is probably around... This 586 date right here that Obadiah is given a prophecy. Don't know 100% for sure, but probably it's given here. He could be referring back to a previous invasion of Jerusalem, but probably in 586 he's talking about when they came through Jerusalem and utterly destroyed and didn't and just totally annihilated them. Okay, in 587. So we're dated about 586 BC. Verse number 11, he says, In that day... Or in the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces and foreigners entered into his gates and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou wast as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen as thou hast done. It shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. He said, you looked on that day and you, you were proud and you were boastful of the fact that your cousins were running down through here and you stopped them and delivered them over to the enemy. 
your own cousins. You were proud of the fact that you did that. He said, the, the fact that you did that, it's going to be done to you. Verse number 16, For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. And the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. And they shall kindle in them and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for the Lord hath spoken it. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, or Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And Savior shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Obadiah prophesies of total destruction of the Edomites. They have dropped off the map of history. They're no longer a city, no longer a nation. They just eliminated. If you look back through history, they're gone from history. And in fact, most of their heyday was during this 5th, 6th century, uh, maybe even back to the 8th century but uh, B.C., but during that time. But then after that, you don't hear from them anymore outside of some scattered little things. But there's one other thing I want to tell you. Do you remember when Christ was being born? Do you remember Herod put out the decree to kill all of the firstborn, or all of these children, these not firstborn, but all of the children, the young children under a certain age, because they were trying to kill the Christ, the one that claimed to be Emmanuel, God with us? Do you remember Herod? He was known in history as the killer of the innocents, meaning the innocent ones. He was the one who put the decree out to kill all the babies. He was the one who was trying to destroy the Christ, God in the flesh. Herod was an Idumean. He was trying to destroy this enmity, this hatred started with two brothers that had a problem with each other over lentils and pottage and, and blessings and, and turned into generational conflict through battles of the Amalekites and so forth. Turned into the battle of battles to try to destroy the Savior Himself. And I do man. They were at war with one another. Angry words, oh let them never from the tongue unbridled slip. We need to be working hard at peace. You know the Bible gives us a plan. If we have a problem with somebody, the Bible gives us what an idea of what we should do in those kind of situations. Matthew 18, verse number 15 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. And you know the rest of the passage says, if he doesn't, then take two or three witnesses. If that doesn't work, you bring it for the church, etc. There's been a plan given by Christ to solve problems. And a lot of times we're the last ones to use the plan God has. And what we end up with is generational conflict. I want to encourage you to not be a part of that. I want to encourage you to do everything you can to stop conflict as early as it possibly can be stopped. That we love one another. Another song was led this evening that said, Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view. And 
You see the face of Christ. You see the love in your brother. That's Christ. That's seeing Christ. And it's not about going to church and sitting on a pew and sitting in the air conditioning. It's about what we do in the way we live our life when we walk out of this place. How do we treat our brother? How do we treat our family? How do we treat our wife? How do we treat our husband? How do we treat our friends? Angry words, oh, let them never from the tongue unbridled slip. Solve a problem before it turns into a generational problem. God bless you. And God bless Denton. God bless your congregation. God bless you in the future and the work that you're endeavoring to do for the cause of Christ. We're going to sing the last invitation song of this series of meetings. And you've got an opportunity to make that step tonight. And take an opportunity to come to Christ. If you've not done that, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Maybe you've come to Christ, but you've fallen by the wayside. You've separated yourself from the fold of God. You need forgiveness. You need repentance and and prayer. You've got an opportunity tonight to do that as well. Let's not close the meeting out and not know that every one of us has that security in knowing that we're in good hands with God and that we're in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, that we're working together as a congregation, as brothers and sisters in Christ for the same cause. Whatever the church can do for you, I promise you, your elders are here tonight and they're game to help you with whatever spiritual need that you may have. Won't you come while we stand and sing the song that's been selected?